Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Thank you for tuning us into your homes tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. We'd like to start off by reminding our viewers that we are having a coat drive for the rescue mission. Uh, if you want to bring down some new or gently used coats to, uh, to give to the rescue mission so that they can give them out to the men and the women and the children that are homeless in our community. You can bring them to the TV20 studio at 314 South Redwood Road, Salt Lake City. And uh, you can bring them down Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And if you can think about it or remember, bring a bunch of brand new socks as well to help keep them warm. You know, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Christmas. It's the season to be talking about Christmas, and so I thought I would bring some of the early Mormon teachings of how Christmas came about uh, and talk about it at the first part of our show. Most members of the modern Mormon church are totally unaware of what the early Mormons taught about the birth of Jesus Christ. However, most polygamists know exactly what the original foundational teachings was all about. Beginning with the prophet Brigham Young, the Mormon church taught that God the Father had physical sexual relations with the Virgin Mary to beget Jesus. Whenever we hear them say that they believe that Jesus is the literal Son of God, in their veiled language, what they are saying is exactly what Brigham Young taught, that God the Father had literal sex with Mary to literal produ literally produce the literal baby Jesus, and that's why he's the literal Son of God. And there has not been an official statement from a general authority or any publication, or has ever been anything said to deny or revoke Brigham Young's teachings. Brigham Young said, one of the things he said about it in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, he said, When the Virgin Mary conceived the child Jesus, the Father had begotten him in his own likeness. He was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Notice that Brigham Young said Jesus was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Now, according to Brigham Young, Adam was God, and God begat Jesus, and your salvation or your damnation depends on whether you believe that or not. This is what Brigham Young said about that. He said, what a learned idea. <clears throat> Jesus, our elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden. Of course, that's Adam. And who is our Father in heaven? Now, let all who may hear these doctrines pause before they make light of them or treat them with indifference, for they will prove their salvation or damnation. Journal of Discourses, Volume 1. And even worse than that, Brigham Young and others taught that the Father was actually married to Mary. Early Mormonism taught that we are all literal sons and daughters of God, and that includes Mary, which means that they taught that God was married and had incestuous sexual relationship with his own daughter. And most Mormon polygamists still believe that. 
Let's see what the LDS apostle Orson Pratt had to say about this. Quote, it was the person of the Father who begat the body of Jesus. And for this reason, Jesus is called the only begotten of the Father. That is, the only one in this world whose fleshly body was begotten by the Father. The fleshly body of Jesus required a mother as well as a father. Therefore, the father and mother of Jesus, according to the flesh, must have been associated together in the capacity of husband and wife. Hence, the Virgin Mary must have been for the time being the lawful wife of God the Father. He had a lawful right to overshadow the Virgin Mary in the capacity of a husband <clears throat> and beget a son. Of course, this was Orson Pratt wrote this in his book, The Seer, page 158. Now, folks, this isn't merely 19th century speculation like some people would have us believe. These statements were made by official presiding prophets and apostles of the early Mormon church. They are foundational teachings. Now, a true prophet never gets anything wrong. The question is, were these guys false prophets or true prophets? The early Mormon polygamous church understood these men to be prophets. So were they or weren't they? Although polygamists do not recognize recent Mormon leaders as having any authority, we also need to quote Bruce R. McConkie here. And so from Mormon Doctrine, page 546 and 47, Bruce McConkie said, and I quote, Our Lord is the only Son of the Father in the flesh. Each of the words is to be understood literally. Only means only, begotten means begotten, and son means son. Christ was begotten by an immortal father in the same way that mortal men are begotten by mortal fathers. It seems like Bruce McConkie used redefined terminology to explain begotten. But using a Bible dictionary, we can correctly define what begotten means. Now, in the Greek, the word is from a Greek word, which is monogenes. It's a word that is correctly translated into only begotten. And it means the son's unique, one-of-a-kind relation to the father. Monogenes designates an only son. Jesus is the only son of God, the unique son. That is the word for begotten. He was always with the Father in eternity past. He had no beginning. He is uncreated. He was sent from the Father. He was God manifest in the flesh. That's Jesus. Now, God has no other sons. Lucifer the devil is not God's son, and he's not Jesus' brother. And neither is any human being God's son unless he has been specially adopted into God's family by receiving God's free gift of eternal life. Now, you can find information like this by going to some Bible dictionaries or lexicons. And I got this information from Vincent's Word Studies in the New Testament. It's very uh, enlightening and educational to go through some of these dictionaries to find out what these words really mean. Now, how could God the Father, who the Bible says is spirit, have literal sexual relations with a human being? Well, Doctrine and Covenants 130 uh, verse 22 says, quote, the Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. But this is different from what the Bible teaches. In John 4:24, this is what Jesus said. 
He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And Luke 24, 39, again, Jesus said, A spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. So the Doctrine and Covenants says that God has a body of flesh and bones. Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and Orson Pratt and Lorenzo Snow and several of the others said God had a body of flesh and bones. But Jesus said he didn't. So who should we believe? Is Jesus the liar here? You know, both statements can't possibly be true. Whom should we, should belie- should we believe about this? Now, this mythical conception of Jesus Christ is Mormonism's version of Christmas. Jesus is born. But that's really where the similarity of the biblical Jesus and Mormonism's Jesus ends. This is what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Verses 22 and 23, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ was God with us in the form of a man. Now, man cannot become a God, but God did become a man to save mankind. So the virgin Mary conceived while she was a virgin. She was pregnant and still a virgin. She was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus Christ. This event was predicted hundreds and even thousands of years previously and fulfilled precisely as predicted. Luke chapter 1 verse 35 says, And the angel answered and said unto her, Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Clearly, the Bible teaches that his conception and birth was a miracle of God and by God through the Holy Spirit, yet Brigham Young specifically said he was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. You know that truth really matters. These are not incidental, non-essential, doctrinal tidbits. Jesus said God only accepts worshipers who will worship him in truth. Truth does matter. Someone once said that if you tell your children about the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny and about Santa Claus, why should they believe you when you teach them about Jesus? You know, it's a terrible disappointment for children when they discover that there really is no Santa Claus, that they were lied to for so many years by the very people that they should be trusting the most. How many little ones are as intrigued with Jesus Christ as they are of Santa Claus. Santa is described as being all-knowing, almost all-powerful, giving wonderful gifts to those who earn his favor. He knows who's naughty and nice, and he rewards them accordingly. Santa lives up yonder in the North Pole, way up and away from the rest of us. 
He can travel immeasurable distances in a very short period of time. He's kind and he's homey and he's jolly. He's someone we want to be around. Kids are in awe of him. They love him and they fear him at the same time. And they stand in long lines to give him their requests. How many people are that intrigued by Jesus Christ? How many children are raised to revere Jesus Christ as much as they revere Santa Claus? How many children are rightfully taught that Jesus Christ is the one who gives the best gift of all? In fact, the only gift that counts, and that is the gift of eternal life. How many children are taught that they don't have to earn that gift? They don't have to work for it. They don't have to earn God's favor. How many kids are taught that their eternal life is based on the cross of Jesus Christ? rather than their own performance. Pitifully few children are ever taught these biblical truths, but they're sure taught about Santa Claus. Wouldn't it be foolish to hang on to the myth of Santa Claus as one matures from childhood and into adulthood and on into the golden years, and then they die still believing that ridiculous mythical story of a fat man dressed in red delivering toys to billions of kids in one night, sliding down chimneys and back up again. But then how many people die still believing in the doctrinal myths that they was, that were as imagined and that was taught by Joseph Smith. What does it take to persuade you that the belief of Joseph Smith is in an unbiblical God, an unbiblical Savior, an unbiblical salvation, and ends in a literal, eternal, and conscious death? Everyone will meet God, his Maker, and that God is Jesus Christ, the babe in the cradle in the manger. The myth that he is Satan's brother is repulsive. It's unbiblical. It's damning because when you believe in the wrong Savior, you can't be saved. No matter how many biblical events that are attached to someone named Jesus, who is also identified as Satan's spiritual brother, he's still the wrong Savior. He's a mere myth. To many people, uh, many of them are basing their eternity on myths. Myths they blindly hang on to as strongly, clear to the death, as children strongly hang on to the myth of Santa Claus. We've all heard it said that Jesus is the reason for the season, and He is. And He is the one who gives the greatest of all gifts. Now, who receives a gift but never opens it? Who leaves a Christmas package under the tree for weeks and months and years and dies leaving their gift unopened? You know, Jesus has a gift for you. Your name is on it, and it's the gift of eternal life. He has a gift with your name on it. It's just as tangible as the gifts under your tree. Don't be among those people who will open their eyes on the other side of death and realize too late that the Creator and the Savior are the same person, that babe in the manger who was born to poor Mary and Joseph. Jesus was born for one purpose, to die. To die that horrible, nasty, painful, shameful, but powerful death on the cross 
to pay for our sins. Jesus was born to die so that when we believe and trust in him exclusively, we don't trust in any good works to please God, but we take his gift of eternal life and then we can be with him forever in heavenly glory. We urge our polygamous viewers and our Mormon viewers and everyone else to check these things out. Just like the wise men of old who searched for the Christ of Christmas until they found him. If you truthfully, honestly also seek him, you too will find the real Jesus. He's that babe in the manger. Your creator also is your savior. It's foolish to assume that any good works, any works of polygamy or celestial marriage, any ordinances or money-centered giving could come alongside or be equal to or overshadow the eternal and infinite work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. There is nothing else we can do, nothing in all of creation that God will accept on our behalf except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In Mark chapter 10, verses 25 through 27, Jesus said this, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus himself said, It is impossible for man to save himself. It is the work of God from beginning to end, from the cradle to the cross. That is what Christmas is all about. It's nothing less than a travesty to believe in and stubbornly hang on to myths when the truth is so easily obtained. It's, behind, it's beyond comprehension, and by the way, that is the only unforgivable sin. So seek for and receive the true Christ of Christmas, that baby born supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, was born to die for you. And that is your Christmas gift. Now, we are going to open up the phone lines a little bit early tonight. I still have a lot more material to cover, but I thought we would just give a little more time for phone calls. If you want to begin calling in, you can now. Our telephone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Just remember that we do require a two-way dialogue if you want to call in and have a conversation. And if you refuse to, to let the two-way dialogue flow, you will be disconnected. But we'd love to hear you from you if you'd like to add to our conversation or ask any questions. Uh, right now, I'd like to talk a little bit about Warren Jeffs. Now, he's in prison, and he's the leader of the FLDS polygamy group, and he continues his threats against the United States government, against Texas, and against his own people. You know, he's, he's again, he's sending out massive amounts of documents filled with so-called revelations from God. He's threatening that North and South America um, is going to be destroyed. And he wants the United States to release all the FLDS polygamists that are imprisoned. 
and he said if they don't comply, terrible plagues and pestilences will soon come upon his enemies and so on and so forth. For instance, he tells them, he says that God told them that they must release his people from bondage, his servant Warren Jeffs. He said, my servant must now go free and that his people is to have full possession of their home and lands. He said that the law of celestial plural marriage is holy and pure. And he said, now let them go free, lest I send my judgment of full cleansing I have spoken. Whoa. Well, now there's much, much more. And of course, this is just a sampling of his nonsense. And these statements really were written in a very fragmented fashion, almost as if he was in a trance. The, the, uh, the grammar, the punctuation is, is bad and clearly adopted from the style and content that Joseph Smith used. We wonder how long the prison system is going to allow Warren Jeffs to continue to rule the FLDS from his prison cell with his continued threats and intimidation. There's a newspaper uh, that is situated in El Dorado, Texas, which is just right close there adjacent to the YFC ranch, the FLDS ranch down there in El Dorado. And that newspaper is the El Dorado success. You can go to myeldorado.net and, and read and see their newspaper. Uh, it's, it's released every week. And they have obtained a copy of what sources call a preliminary drawing of a 30-foot tall statue of Warren Jeffs with a small girl. The drawing was provided to the, the Success newspaper by Carol McKinley, an investigative reporter from Denver, Colorado. Now you can see the drawing pictured on the screen and it shows a tall male figure in a long robe with a small female child standing nearby. And it closely matches other information that has been attained from other sources who report that the statue does indeed exist. Now, this article goes on to say that the statue, which is of Warren Jeffs, may already have been shipped from Salt Lake City to El Dorado, Texas in three separate containers, and it awaits final assembly down there. Now, they are currently, the FLDS at the YFC Ranch, are currently constructing a huge circular building on the YFC Ranch. And we have a couple of pictures of that as well. Now, some people say that this building is for gathering the people into safely, their faithful followers, during the destructions that Warren Jeffs has warned is coming. And some also say this building is to house the statue of Warren Jeffs when it's assembled. It's a massive structure. As you can see, the walls are at least 30 feet high, and that's how tall Warren Jeff's statue is supposed to be. To my knowledge, there's been no official information <clears throat> forthcoming as to the exact purpose of this building, and you can go to the website on the screen uh, for more photos of this building. It's um, uh, eldorado.us slash YFC. Anyway, you can copy that down and go to that <clears throat> website and see some more pictures. Now, Warren Jeffs is obviously using the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith to keep his flock on track. Don't forget, the polygamists believe in Joseph Smith. They believe in the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. The polygamists believe in foundational Mormon teachings. 
they are more Mormon than the Mormons are Mormon. And that's the truth because they follow Joseph Smith exactly the way he taught. Some people <clears throat> are wondering about what Warren Jeff's endgame might be. Perhaps they think he's using these Joseph Smith-type revelations for his own ends, making sure that there enough money is sucked out of his polygamy group for his family to live on. And don't forget, he's got somewhere around 80 wives. Now, we wonder what the limits of his faithful followers are and where their breaking point is going to be. And we do hope that it doesn't end in another Kool-Aid or Waco tragedy. I'd like to thank the El Dorado Success newspaper for their help in gathering this information and for their permission to use this information. Remember, our telephone lines are open, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We do have a message that we would like to share with you right now. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. 
Welcome back to the show. We appreciate your um, letting us into your homes tonight. Uh, we're talking about Christmas and we're talking about Warren Jeffs and, and the different things that are going on in the polygamous communities. Our phone lines are open. The number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. I would like to mention that because of the busyness of the season, uh, the last time our uh, discussion group met, we decided that we would forego having a group meeting this month, but we are going to continue in January, um, and it will be on the last Monday in January, and of course we will be talking about that as it gets closer. So we won't be having a meeting this month. If there's anyone who feels like that they would like to talk, uh, I'm always available. You can always give us a call, and I would love to talk with you privately and personally if you would like. Now we do have an off-the-air question. <clears throat> the question is, does the LDS Church teach that Mary was sealed and that she received endowments? Um, I don't know quite where this question is coming from. If they, I don't believe that they teach that she was sealed 2,000 years ago uh, and received endowments. Uh, if they did teach that, they're just teaching it wrongly because they didn't seal people in the Bible and they didn't give people endowments in the Bible. That's just totally an unbiblical concept. However, the LDS Church has in their temple uh, um, proxies, they have uh, sealed her and they have sealed her to God the Father. And they have by proxy given her endowments um, in that way. Uh, line three, we have Mike calling. Hello, Mike. Hello, how are you, Doris? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I just heard you talking about the conception of uh, our Savior. Uh, I just want to get to a basic fundamental thing. God is a creator. Uh -huh. We are the creation. Right. Is, 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 uh, is the servant greater than the master? No. Okay, so we know that uh, God can do anything uh, way smarter than us. Now, if man can artificially assimilate a woman without sex, isn't God great enough to do it, you know, through his power? There was no sex involved, and man does this now. So we're not greater than God. And this shows that you don't have to have conception through sex. You know what, Mike? In order to have artificial insemination, there has to be some kind of a sexual process to get the sperm. Yes, it does. And the Spirit and of that... the Lord came upon her, and the seed was planted in her. Jesus made the seed. I don't, I think you've got this a little, a whole bunch twisted. The Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she Come became on, yes. pregnant. Yes, yes. But and you're saying Jesus provided the sperm? Well, he created us. So he created himself? Well, he created our reproductive organs. But did, so you're saying Jesus created himself with his own sperm? That's stupid. Well, I'm saying God did. And I'm, I'm saying that the seed was planted in her. And I'm saying, what I'm saying There is was that, no seed planted in her. But, but what I'm saying, if man can do it without <laughs> having a physical relationship with a woman, how much greater is God? There's nothing God is so great that he doesn't even need to have amen, any physical amen. relationships at all. That, that is the concept. I'm just saying he can do it a heck of a lot better than man can do it, and man can do it. 
<laughs> man can do that. That is true. But that doesn't mean just because man can do it that that's the way God did it. Oh, I'm not saying that's it. the way it was, it was a supernatural event. Mary was a virgin. Exactly. There was no sexual connotation at all with the conception of Jesus. Yes. No sexual connotation, no. period. And that was one of the, ful the fulfillments in Isaiah. And you're even in the, even in the Catholic Church, it says that she was conceived in the Apostle Creed. It said that she was conceived of the Spirit of God. By this, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she became pregnant. That's what it right. is. I don't know right. how it came about, but I know it wasn't impossible with God. Well, it, it's, it's not impossible. See, the conception but... of them saying they have to have sex, that, that basis does not hold water. True. Absolutely. God. Absolutely. He, oh, well, God, could, God could not have had sex with Mary because God is a spirit. He is not exactly. a man. You have to worship in the spirit and the truth. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and he says, worship, you know, what I'm just, I'm not saying that God planted the, the seed was planted yeah. by the spirit. I don't know how it was planted. Well, no, there was a man can conceive a child. See, sir, sir, sex, just a minute. Right? We, we need to stop right here. There was no seed planted. There was no seed well, planted, period. She became pregnant supernaturally. Yeah, okay. There was yes. no seed planted, okay? Sure, that's, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what Yeah, because Jesus Christ was it's God. He did supernatural and our natural. Right. Super and our natural. Supernatural, absolutely. Become supernatural. Right. Now I, right. now, I don't know everything about God, but what the basic thing I'm saying is that God can conceive, uh, but <laughs> the Spirit was, she was, God was, Jesus was conceived through Mary. How he did it, I'm not sure. I don't know. I wasn't there. We, but a man can do it without having sex. Well, yeah, the, the, the whole thing is, yes, God is a creator, and he, with his creation, can do however and whatever he wants. Exactly. There's nothing And involved. we don't we need to question that. Yeah. everything that Jesus did. We know that it was, you know, the Spirit had a lot to do with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, things that we know, that we take by faith, they came to pass. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, people will say that uh, Jesus uh, did this because people had great faith. A lot of the people he healed didn't even know he was uh, the Son of God until after the miracle happened. And then their faith grew. So. Okay, well, we do appreciate your call, and we appreciate and I'm glad that, you, <laughs> that we straightened that up. Yes, That's God just, it's, just some, it's, it's just something for thought. Right. I'm just saying, because of sex being such a large part of a lot of the Muslim religion and other religions, uh, uh, it really isn't, it is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a man thing in his heart, you know, it's lust. Mm -hmm. And that thing yeah. uh, does pervert a lot of things, you know, yeah, 70 versions and all this mm -hmm. other stuff too, you it know. Does. Okay, well thanks for your call. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh -huh. good night. Good night. Okay, we have Lee calling in Payson. Hello, Lee. Hi. Yes, um, on the air. First of all, I have to um, tell you, I have Mike, the call you previously had, um, brought up the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church believes in the Immaculate Conception. There's no seed sown right. anywhere. Exactly. There's no sex going on. Right. Um, so, but my question is this. I have friends that are LDS, and I happen to be Catholic. Um, that when I pray, and I'm very spiritual, when I pray and I talk to Jesus, 
I call him by the name Jesus, and they want me to call him by the name of Heavenly Father. And it seems to frustrate them. And so I asked once when I was kind of, you know, embarrassed by saying, why don't you say Heavenly Father? I said, well, what do you mean? You know, who exactly are you praying to when you say Heavenly Father? And she didn't know. So my question is this. When the Mormons are praying to Heavenly Father, who exactly are they praying to? In the Mormon mind, they're praying to their Father in Heaven, who is the Father of the Father of Jesus and the Smith. That no, they're praying to the Father in Heaven, who is the Father of Jesus and who is the Father of our spirits, because they believe that our spirits were conceived in a preexistence by our Father and Mother in Heaven, and so that. The, the one who, who, who begot our spirits on the other side is the Father that they're praying to. The literal Father of, of Jesus Christ and the Father of our spirits. I now, now that's a bad doctrine. It isn't a biblical doctrine at all, but that's who they're, that's who they're praying to. And it's the same, I, the polygamists believe the same thing. I see. So, the literal Father and Mother... The Father and Mother in Heaven, who begot our spirits, and who and the Father who begat Jesus. So they're not going by, you only can get to Heaven but through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's just part of it. For them, that's just part of it. It, They have that in their doctrine, but that's only part of it. There's a lot of other things in the mix that they've got to do uh, to get to Heaven. But the blood of Jesus Christ all by itself is not enough for eternal life. It's not enough for celestial glory. Correct. By the Mormon standard. Right, right. Not by biblical standard. Their celestial glory is, is... something that the Mormons have concocted, is that correct? The celestial level of heaven is, yes. Yes. But okay. biblically, there's only one level of heaven. And, um, and biblically, if you try to work there, you don't get to go there. You either take it as a gift or you don't get to go there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I just was curious um, to whom they were praying. Yeah. Okay, well... It's kind of a convoluted mess, but I appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Good night. Okay, we have an off-the-air question, and it is, how and or was Jesus praying to himself in the garden? We get this we get this call a lot. We get a, th- this happens all the time. It's uh, it's really overused and overworked as an apologetic uh, or as a, a challenge to our apologetics. Uh, Jesus Christ is God the Son. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit uh, and God the Son make up the Trinity. And and when Jesus Christ was praying in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to the Father. He was praying to God. He was praying uh, for the strength um, to to do uh, what he knew he had to do. He wasn't praying to himself. And again, I have to say that that really is not a very good question. Uh, is so simple to to understand. And as somebody said, and now we're going to get a billion calls about the Trinity. But let me tell you, if you can understand Jesus, you don't have any problem with the Trinity. 
Anybody who questions the Trinity, they don't have a good grasp on who Jesus Christ is. And if you did, you would not doubt the Trinity. And the Trinity was not invented in 300 B.C. or, or A.D. and all that other that we have these, these calls we're going to call and take. The Trinity is in the Bible, not the word, but the concept is in the Bible, plain and simple. There's only one God, only one God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. That's the Trinity. And if you doubt that, then you're doubting the Bible and your beef is with God. Um, now, I would like to, we, it looks like we got a couple of calls coming in, but they're not ready yet. So I think I'll read an email from one of our viewers. Um, this email came from a man who really quite dislikes our show. He said, is your program really about truth? I see your program as a tabloid media. I don't understand how TV20 can allow your brand of program. They have other Christian-based programs that tell about the wonders of Jesus and Christianity. I wish they would replace your program with one of those. Please use some journalistic ethics, please. I have heard you on two programs say that Mormons believe adultery is an unpardonable sin. I don't know what your source is, but the statement is incorrect for the LDS. You ask for viewers to correct you. Let me say that it is not the responsibility of the viewers to check and verify your statement. The burden of proof is on you. So I feel sorry for you having to live with having borne false witness. I will defend your right to speak your mind, but you have always, but have always understood that your rights end where other people's noses begin. I think you have stepped across the line a few times, and that's signed WH. Well, sir, some people's noses are a little bit too long, but be that as it may, regarding adultery as an unforgivable sin, I have personally heard many Mormon women and men say that adultery is unforgivable. I don't know what... Uh, what uh, some, all of the Mormons say, and I do, uh, I do know that what they tell me, I know what they say. I know that their experiences are. I know that the Mormon fundamentalists believe polygamy or uh, adultery is an unforgivable sin. But let's look at Doctrine and Covenants 42, verse 24. It says, quote, But he that has committed adultery and repents with all his heart and forsaketh it and doeth no more, Thou shalt forgive, but if he, if he doeth it again, he shall not be forgiven, but shall be cast out. So, according to the Doctrine and Covenants, adultery is considered as unforgivable if done more than once. That effectively renders it an unforgivable sin. But we want to thank God right here that not only is He a God who gives us second and third and fourth and even hundredth chances, God is forgiving. He's not, he, he, he doesn't say once or twice and you're out of here. He, he forgives our sins. He's long-suffering with sinners. And we don't presume upon His love by purposely continuing to sin. We obey Him. We obey Him because um, not to make Him love us, but in response to his love. Now you charged me with expecting the viewers to verify my statements. 
Sir, you have totally misunderstood our purpose and the context of that challenge. I often challenge our viewers to check out what we say on this show. Don't confuse that with me expecting them to verify my statements. That is different. Isn't it wise to check out what other people say our beliefs are? You know, God said in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 to test everything. That's exactly what we mean when we say, check it out. If you don't believe what I say, check it out. And on our show, uh, myself and our, and our guests will often state our opinion along with the facts that we say. And please don't confuse our stated opinion with what we're saying the facts are. We will always encourage and exhort our viewers to check out what we say, find out for themselves uh, if it's true or not. And, and, and after all, it's their eternity that they're gambling away by blindly following their blind leaders by not checking out what they're taught. They need to also check out what all their religious leaders are teaching, not just what we teach, but what they teach, because God's going to hold them responsible for what they believe. So check out everything we say and, 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 and everything that you believe, beginning with Joseph Smith, and compare his teachings with the Bible's teachings. And you'll soon learn, if you do that, that Joseph Smith was a conniver, he was a false prophet, and he was an adulterer. And he adulterered more than once. Is he forgiven? We have a couple of calls here. Line two, Ifa, Salt Lake City. Hello, Ifa. Yes. Is that your name? Did I say that correctly? Yes. Okay, you're on the air. What's your question? Hello. Oh, there. Yes, you're on the air. You're wasting yes, air I, time, I sir. I have a question about what you just said about. Uh, that Mary was still to God the Father. How did you find out that thing? Or How? where did you get that? We had a show uh, a little over a year ago, and our guest was Helen Radke. And she researches all of these endowments and, and proxy baptisms and, 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 and marriages uh, that are done by proxy in the LDS temple because it's a, public, it's a record that they post online. And she had that information. I don't have it with me tonight, but I do have a copy of the baptism certificate or the, the endowment sealing certificate where Mary was sealed uh, to the Father. Yeah. So, I have uh, another one, please. Okay. Uh, it seems to me that she's only talking about Mormon church. You know, it feels like she criticizes what the Mormon church is. We criticize false doctrine. Okay. And does she do that to other churches? We criticize false doctrine. We will always do that because Jesus told us to. Okay, we, is that for the Mormon church? It's for anybody. But, okay. we, but, our but our focus on this show is basically polygamy. Polygamy started with the early Mormon church. And their, their polygamy groups and, and, and how they live and how they teach is derived from the early Mormon church. Mm-hmm. From Brigham Young and Joseph Smith and Heber C. Kimball and Orson Pratt and Parley P. Pratt and Lorenzo Snow and, and all of these polygamous men in early Mormonism. And that's what we attack. Because, oh, they, uh, because, because they, they say 
uh, they say that God requires polygamy for salvation. They've twisted God's salvation plan. They've taken away from the power of Jesus Christ's bloodshed on the cross by saying polygamy is better than that and more powerful than that for salvation. And so we attack that because it's not true. I, I think you shouldn't. You shouldn't attack any belief. Really? Any, so we should just let them go on to hell and not say anything to them about it? No, 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 no. I think you are forcing people to believe what you say. I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. I'm just telling it the way it is, the way the what the Bible says, I, as opposed to I what they think say. You shouldn't. Well, in, but, in, well, okay. You know? Now we know what you think. Thank you. I have another call coming in now. Oh, right. three. Okay. Well, you know, everybody has a right to say what they think, and so do we. Okay, Jeff in Orem. Hello, Jeff. Yeah. You're on the air. You're on the air. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. What's your question? Um, okay, um, let's see. I had, I had one question because I heard Lee, I think she was from Payson. Okay. Um, I had a question about her. She, she, cause she had a question about who we pray to, and I wanted to ask you, who is it exactly who people think Mormons pray to? Well, we think that you pray to the Heavenly Father, I guess. That's what I told her. The Father in heaven. Oh, exactly. that, that's what I, that's what I heard, and then and then you kind of, or both of you kind of started talking about, um, or she had another question about how exactly, or if we think we get to heaven through Jesus or not, and she was under the impression that we don't. Well, you don't exclusively. The Mormons do not believe that you can get to heaven, eternal life, celestial glory, exclusively through Jesus Christ. You believe that, that you have to do certain works and ordinances and temple work, and the polygamists believe the same thing. They have to leave polygamy in order to get to heaven. Okay. That's Mormon doctrine. Well, in all reality, I, I have heard this quite a few times, actually, because, um, you know, a bunch of friends who, who, who explained to me the same exact thing. But um, uh, the thing is, is that we actually do believe the, the same thing that most evangelical churches believe about only being able to get to heaven or get to our Father in heaven uh, through the grace of God. You don't even yes, understand. Do what that is, there is it? Nothing, no Jeff, one single thing, no Jeff, two single things that we can Jeff, do. Jeff, would you explain that, to me what the grace of God is? What does grace mean? What does grace mean? Grace of God is exactly what, um, for example, is what was given to us through um, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, which is what he did for us to enable us to get back to our Father in Heaven, it to be able to wipe away our sins. Okay, first of all, we don't get back to the Father in Heaven because we never came from him. We, ne we never pre-existed, so we don't go back to him. And secondly, are you saying that, that you don't have to go to the temple, you don't have to be baptized, you don't have to uh, do all these good works, you don't have to go to church, you don't have to pay tithing, you don't have to do all of those things in order to be worthy of eternal life? Well, like, for example, when, no, when answer you my question, Jeff, answer my question. Jeff, answer, answer my question. Don't go on something else. Do you or do you not believe that? I, I was about to answer your question. I'm, I'm dead serious. Um, I, I was, we, we do believe that we have to do everything in our power, which is not enough to get us there, which is not enough to get us there. We have to do everything in our power that, that's for us able to do, such as being a good person. 
taking care of our body, just like it says in Corinthians. Okay, what, what is the Bible? A lot of people, a lot of other churches do not believe in taking care of their body. And, you know, but that has nothing, like that. but Jeff, that and, has and, nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 15 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Eating, Timothy says we can, we can, the, everything God created was good and we are to accept and eat everything. You can read Romans, I think it's chapter 14, over and over and over again. Food has nothing to do with spiritual but, matters. But we do have to, we do have to figure out what purposes those things have or have in life. For example, alcohol. Alcohol is something that you, I'm sure you know. Jeff, you know, Jeff, you're getting, Jeff, you're getting yes. far away from what we're talking about. I, I asked you a question. Do you believe that you can get into the celestial kingdom without doing your good works, without doing your tithing, without going to the temple, and without doing all of these things that are laid out for the Mormons to do? Are you saying that you can get to celestial glory without those things? Can you? you? Yes or no? Jeff, yes, Jeff. But it doesn't end there. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's either works or Jesus. It's not both. No, it's just like it says in James. I don't know, I'm sure you read James. It says, yes. faith without works is dead. Just that's that's exactly right. Now go back it's to, it now, Jeff. Jeff, but you have to have both. Work and no, you don't have to have both. You do not have to have both, Jeff. You don't have to have both. If you try it with both, you won't make it. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, It's by grace you are saved through faith and not, not by yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no man will boast. Verse 10 says you were saved to do good works, and that is what James means. Okay. We are but saved well, to well, do good exactly works. What does James mean when he says we need both? It says that if you are saved, you're going to do good works. It doesn't mean you ever get saved or you have to do good works to get saved. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that, okay. and you can read okay. the context. Well, I've asked this question to a couple people. For example, um, when, when, when somebody wants to be saved. Let's say they believe in Jesus Christ and they you accept need to hurry, Jesus Christ. Robert. Let's say they go to church all the time and they claim they accept Jesus Christ, which I am all for, that's fine. Um, but let's say they're out doing all kinds of things that maybe you yourself would consider to be what Jay, an unworthy person Jeff, of salvation. Jeff, what, Jeff, what Jeff, exactly Jeff, you need to hurry. Jeff, you need to hurry with your question because we're getting out of time. Okay, we, okay. Well, we, well, that, we are, that was kind of the end of my Jeff, question. Is, what do you think about people like that that, that have all, I know, that mindset that just believing gets you there? Believing gets you there. As long as it's from the heart, that's all you need because Jesus Christ paid my price to get to heaven, and all I have but, to do is believe it. So read, we show read, believe? read Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness in Genesis 15, 7. I've got exactly. to go. What did, what did I've got to go, to Jeff. To I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go. I'm sorry. We're getting at the end of time. We don't have time now to go on. But we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, not by works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not by works. Somebody's a liar. Either the religious is a liar or Jesus is. And I take that the religion lies and Jesus tells the truth. 
Now, if we're not cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're not fit to enter into God's kingdom of heaven. And it's only through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ that we will be fitted for eternal life. There's no Mormon church. There's no Mormon fundamentalism. There's nothing in all of creation that can fit us to enter God's kingdom except for and only with the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross. That is why Jesus came. He came to save his people from their sins, Matthew 1.21, to seek God's love for you. Don't look at the Christmas tree. Look at Calvary. God's love is demonstrated on the cross first and foremost and the only basis which God can forgive anyone is the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't humbly submitted yourself beneath his cross, you are not eligible for forgiveness. Christmas is Jesus Christ, born as a poor baby in the manger and our creator became our savior on the cross. Now we hope that you will receive God's gift, the best and most valuable gift of all, eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. Gifts aren't purchased. We don't work for them. They are freely given and freely received. We can do nothing to earn eternal life. Jesus already paid the price. It's free, but it cost him everything. The wages of sin is death. Jesus died our death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Make this your best Christmas ever by receiving his gift of love and eternal life. Thanks for watching our show. May you have a Christ-filled Christmas and may God's best be yours in and through our Savior, Jesus. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.